welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. You don't have to read along with us, but be warned, there will be spoilers ahead. Yeah, so today we're reading chapters 33, or well, we're discussing chapters 33 to 40. Uh, just up front, I want to say uh, for 33 and 34, uh, a trigger warning for people listening, a content warning for uh, attempted suicide. Uh, maybe skip a couple minutes where we talk about those chapters to, when we get to 35. If that is uh, you know, triggering for you. Thanks, Josh. That's a good point. So, 33 begins where we left off last time. Where we talk about, this is when Janelle, in present day, finds out that Relsvar is Father Sujera. And uh, it's funny, I, I, I like the that Kieran is the one to step up here to talk to her. And when they like, she's she leaves the the room, the bar, and she's going to try to like break down the door, you know, where they're trapped by R and I and R. So she can, she's like yelling about Ionark's uncle, and this is where we find out that Ionark is in fact what was his uh, original name, Sarek. Sarek, yeah. Where Kieran finds out that Ionark was. Sarek's kid. Yeah. And Oops. and he didn't know, I think, that he was, like, past life Relosvar's brother, too, right? Did he know that? He did. I think he, he did, did okay. but he didn't know that he had a kid. an enduring dragon child. No. Which, to be fair, is not an assumption many people would make. So. No, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's super clear yet about how the dragons are made. There's, like, some mm-hmm. talk about it in book one. But it's not... I think yeah, it's the idea the... that it was, like, family members, I think, is not well-known yet. Right. Yeah, it's not known, like... All we know at this point is that uh, Relosvar tried to recreate the eight immortals, and somehow that made dragons. Yeah. We don't know. And we know that most of the dragons are evil and insane, uh, in some combination, uh, so we can we can maybe infer that something went wrong, or maybe just that Relosvar picked some really bad people. So stay and tuned. Maybe both. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it turns out Relosvar is a terrible singer, which I found very <laughs> funny. <laughs> it feels like something he would never admit because he doesn't probably admit to any of his flaws, right? And there's a moment here where Kieran is comforting Janelle, and we know by Jorad's gender norms that even though sex and gender is not the same, there's still toxic masculinity for mm-hmm. men, where Kieran marks about how men and Jorad have to be held to the same standard as they are in core, where you know, Janelle has bottled up all these emotions where she's crying on Kieran's shoulder, basically, like letting out all of this like pent up emotion. Yeah, there's this great line and it's like, 
uh, Jorah puts the same expectations on men that the capital city does. Just some of those men happen to be female. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Here we see, again, Janelle's inability to accept help because she sees everything hierarchically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, someone from outside the system has to come in, and it's fortunate that it's Kieran who kind of understands being on the outside of stuff. Yeah. Um, who's just kind of like, look, you can cry on me because I don't count. I don't owe you anything, and you don't owe me anything. So it's okay to cry and then to make out, which... Yes. Then it gets horny. Because again, they're 20. <laughs> And crying and kissing are very linked when you're 20. Oh my god, so linked. She does yeah. have a great line, though, that I don't I don't think I really thought about. How uh, she realizes that Relos Var was grooming her, which is yeah. super gross. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like a, lot of, like a lot of this book, more than book one, has you maybe questioning whether... What Relosvar and Senere are doing in are in the right. Like they, I think Cone has a line where he's like, it might have been in the previous chapters we talked about. Cone has a line about, but he's just so convincing, mm-hmm. and which is very true because at times when I read it, I'm like, is are they right? Oh yeah, but it's the like things like this where like he was grooming her that puts Relisvar back into the you know antagonist section and then and, and then it gets re- then this chapter gets really hot as uh Janelle and Kieran start making out yeah it really gives you a lot of um like it it shows you the scope of Relosvar almost like the idea that like this is a guy who has been working on this for literally thousands of years and so like yeah, you're going to get outmaneuvered by him sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's going to suck. But also at the same time, like, he's no longer... It seems like he's no longer capable of having conversations with people that aren't useful. Mm. That, like, he doesn't see people as people. Because right. um, even when he's having this, like, very open heart-to-heart with... Uh, this is in the previous chapter, but with Cone, he's kind of like, yep, I gazed you. I did one of the worst things a human being can do to another human being, and now we're just going to talk about it like adults. And like, don't be sad. Don't be a child about it. Like, his, like the undercurrent of like sympathy is there because it's not useful for him to be like cackling about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, just like, everything this is, is how utility. it is. Yeah. Now we're going to move on. Right. It just, he reminds me so much of, like, talking about toxic masculinity, like, some of the men who, who are like, well, you know, I can't talk to you when you're so emotional. It's like, mm. you need to calm down first. Yeah. It's just kind of like, here's the logical explanation of what I did, and you can't be mad at me because it's logic. It's like, well, it turns out I can't be mad at you. Um, so, yeah. it's a it's a quieter toxicity, um, mm-hmm. but it's and an interesting Cole one. is, like, such a sweet baby that he also is not going to be like, but I'm mad! Right, yeah. Relisvar kind of has that, like, Sherlock Holmes house Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock vibe where, Mm -hmm. like, he's so smart that he's beyond, like, human emotion, except... The the jerk-faced genius. Yeah. Yeah. Except, like, those characters usually have, like, 
underneath hearts of gold right. but Bellasvar <laughs> does not no. he, ha- he has a dragon inside instead like sitting on that pile of gold yeah <laughs> oh god that's what I want don't tempt me just want a tiny tiny little dragon sitting inside my heart would it be cute oh, friend yeah. I do like that Kieran makes the like smart decision of like you're he's like Janelle, you're hot and everything, but this is not like when you're emotionally vulnerable like this, this is not the moment for us to like have sex for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very very Kieran has clearly matured a lot and um mm-hmm. Janelle's still a little bit in the works, but this is Janelle's yeah. book, so that's okay. Yeah. Um but when they start when they start sitting down and getting back to the story, it turns out that now they're in Yore. Janelle no longer has her powers. Um and she is really suffering under that and also makes a lot of very boneheaded decisions and she forgets <laughs> that she no longer has her powers. Yeah, like it's easy to it's easier to make boneheaded decisions when you at least have the strength to back it up. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, no, if you punch someone really hard in the face, you're going to break your hand. Yup. <laughs> and I think she has no regrets still, but... I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a rude awakening. Yeah. No, she, she... She did one of those internally consistent things that you do in D&D, even though you know that they're stupid. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just like, I punch the guy. It's like, do you really want to do that? Said the DM and every single reader... And the character, Janelle, is like, yes. <laughs> yes. She touched my butt. Yes. And only it turns out she punched the wrong guy. Oh, God. And that wrong guy or the right guy is fucking Darzen Demon. God damn yes. it. God damn it. Now we have to deal with this bullshit again. <laughs> yeah. I was so happy he was dead. And now we got to fucking watch him ponce around your being Darzen again. Ugh. Uh, and and it, yeah, here he doesn't have the restriction of his dad being around, right? Fortunately, it also seems like he doesn't have the interest in torturing people. Like he he doesn't have any slaves there either. Yeah, so at least there's that. That's probably he's there at, for a different purpose. At this point, back in the capital city, he's consistently buying slaves that look like Kieran and torturing them to death. So, right. you know, he's really got his his quotient filled. Yeah. So we get to see we get to see a whole fun other side to this exactly two-sided man. You got the murder slave part and the <laughs> political machinations Shitty, part. Shitty dandy poly- yeah. Yeah, politics guy. Yay! I mean, I say this. I I love the character because I hate the character. Oh, yeah. Like, it's great. He's a great villain for the short term because he has no dimensions. He's just terrible. Bellisvar has a lot of dimensions. Yes. And Thurvishar is back, too, which is always nice. Thurvy! Thurvy. Just chilling out, psychically whispering support to Janelle because he's a good boy. Such a good boy. Has anyone at this point called him Thurvy yet? Or is that, I think there's a, that might be book three. I think that's a book three situation. I think it came up once in the footnotes and he's like, I don't like that in the first book. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I could be wrong. I'll have to go back and check, but I think Talon called him that. 
Probably. That, that sounds like talent. That sounds yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do. I do find it interesting how Janelle, like when Senere is trying to break down how the politics work, like not to call him Duke Kane, to call him um, mm. the Han. Han Kane. And it echoes Cone when he was being explained the blood of Joras. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, but you're also Koros. When mm-hmm. Senere is explaining uh, your to Janelle, Janelle says, but you're also Koros. Not realizing that the same thing, like she's thinking of your the way, like your the people of your. I don't know. I don't know if they're called Yorins or not. Yeah, yeah, they are. The people of Yor don't think of themselves as Koros, and the people of Jorat don't think of themselves as Koros. But the people of Jorat think of Yor as part of Koros. <laughs> yeah. And then Janelle has this great moment where, she, like, it shows her teenage arrogance, where she's like internally monologuing when things are going bad right now, where she goes. Does, wait, don't I oh, usually always win? Like, mm. everything usually goes my way. And I'm like, oh, you sweet son of a child. <laughs> and, like, in the, that is a really, I think, important moment for her, too. Because it's it's in the context of learning that Cone has been gauged. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, like, how could I be so arrogant to think that there wouldn't be some collateral damage here? Don't I always win? Like... Like realizing that no, it doesn't always work out for you, Janelle, and and you got the wor- like the worst thing possible done to someone who you call a friend, and he's stuck like that now, and you're both stuck here now because of it. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing that drew me to this book the first time, like over the first one, is that when everything goes wrong, Janelle has a little bit more resolve than kieran does kieran panics a little bit Mm. more when everything went wrong in the first book while janelle was like more i'll figure it out yeah and it it might be like overconfidence but um i do like i do like that yeah she's she's generally pretty good in a pinch too you know like it's Mm -hmm. that like nobility leadership thing like she's all she's been trained to look at a disaster and be like, all right, this, 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 and this needs to happen. Yeah, she's used to being in charge of yeah. people. Um, which, you know, turns out to be both helpful and not, because she's now in a place where women cannot, by the tenets of culture and law, have any authority over yeah. anyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, she talks about how she says to Senere, they're not going to accept that. I'm a man here, are they? No. And yeah. Senere is like, no. It's like, they're not even going to accept that you're a person, honey. Right. Yeah, and it turns out she has to play at being Relosvar's wife. Gross. Or else someone else is going to try to, like, marry her. Or, like, yeah. what happens to... There's, there's, you know, these whisperings of, of what happens to unmarried women in your... And it doesn't... We don't know what it is, but it does not sound good. Not only that, but married women who are married to men who they believe are weak usually get, the husband usually gets killed and then they take the, the wife. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. So, so bad. Wife, wife are, wife, wives are property. Uh, yeah. And you're pretty much. Um, 
But we do then meet the harem um, of the Duke or Han uh, Cain, who, and, and most of the people in his harem are pretty satisfied with their life um, because they're married to the most powerful man. Yeah, it's probably so not unless a something bad goes, life. Something goes terribly wrong, like, they're going to be fine. Uh, no one's going to, like, take them or make them move or change their lives. Um, and they don't have to put up with a lot. They don't have any power, but they also don't have a lot of, like, immediate danger. And some of them get to be gay together because the Orans also don't believe that <laughs> women can be in couples with each other. <laughs> that was the best part of these chapters oh my and my God, favorite so part good. of the book so far. Yeah. She's like, yeah, there are a couple of long-term relationships. It's like, yeah, doesn't anyone here realize that lesbians are a thing? And they're like, <laughs> no, don't tell them. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> this is like the moments when, like, Senere is great. Like, you, I want to hate her so bad in some of these chapters because, like, she's done terrible things and is doing terrible mm-hmm. things to these characters that we love. But she's fucking great. <laughs> she's great. Yeah. Okay, but they are they are basically hostages, though. Like they are, yeah. but like they're comfy hostages, and they you know they have at least the pride of their situation ensuring peace for their families. So depending on whether or not they like their families, which mm-hmm. if you don't in your, I get it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there, there's an interesting aspect of power there and like soft power versus hard power. They don't mm-hmm. have a lot of authority, but they do have a lot of influence. Speaking of power, we find out that uh, from the worst character ever, Orith, uh, <laughs> that Janelle, he's not the worst character. I just hate his guts. That would, in fact, that would probably make him a good character. Mm. Um, that Janelle is not, in fact, Jortiz. Oh, yes. Oof, that was another hard one. Janelle gets knocked around in these chapters. She gets some bombshells dropped on her, yeah. Yeah. Orith has a letter basically saying that, um, from Jaren Aranon, that her grandfather, that he doesn't know where this kid came from. His son left one day and came back with this kid and he's pretty sure that this is not related to him by blood and then janelle has like oh and one thing i okay so this is the fourth if you've listened to the episodes you know this is like the fourth time i've read this book one thing i never picked up on is that seems really obvious now is that janelle's markings Yes. Yes, because I've been thinking about that as we've been going through these chapters. And I, because I I knew in my brain, I was like, why does Janelle have Jorati's markings if she's not Jorati's? And I totally, yeah, like I forgot. And so they took her to the Dumans, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they beggared themselves doing it. So that's why she doesn't have any money. Yeah, they spent the money. Yeah, so like, not only does Janelle learn in these chapters, that her grandfather's not her grandfather. The parents that she loves were not her biological parents. Um, she also learns that her heritage is not the one she thought, and she is the reason why she is in this mess. Like, yeah, it's a bummer. she's poor, and that set off everything that happened to her, and it's because of her. So that that's got to sting. She also has this internal monologue about finally understanding. Orif's position, even though yeah. it sucks, where Orif has known this whole time that, according to the rules of Jorat, mm-hmm. that she is actually Thudaje to him because yeah. mm-hmm. she's not noble and he is. And 
by becoming this, you know, legendary figure, Janelle Danarak from the, like, the Hell March, suddenly, even though he knows that she's, like, common, even though we later find out that she, in fact, is not, by the standards of Jorat, she is beneath him, but because she becomes this, like, figure of the Hell March, of surviving the Hell March, suddenly her st- her her rank in the eyes of the Jortees is above him, mm-hmm. and she acts like it because of the combination of the two, and Orith resents her for that. Mm. Yeah. And, like, he has that line of, like, you should have just accepted destiny and married Ugh. me, and now we're in this mess. I hate him. It's like, awful. somehow, this thing that I did where I murdered a lot of people is your fault. Right? Thanks, Aura. Yeah, thanks, bro. So so we get a lot of information non-sequentially about Janelle's parentage and heritage in these chapters. It might be worth setting it out for everybody in order. So, like, we know that her mother isn't her mother. Her father isn't her father. Her mother, we know from Rello's Var talking to Cone, is the goddess of magic, Taya. Yes. Mm. And we know from what Janelle learns directly that her father is Corin Melagreest. Melagreest? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we have her full parentage, and we know it's really impressive, um, but it doesn't all get tied together in a neat little bow in these chapters, so it's kind of like... She's real, and she also has a lot of like complicated feelings about everything that happens. Because um, once she learns who her actual father is, she's like, "Oh, that's why he didn't stop the Hell March. He was trying to protect his blood kin." Yes. So she's actually wrong about that. Um, I, yeah. But she thinks that he's a dick. So she thinks that not only has she lost her family, she's gained a family that sucks. I do really love the sequence in which we find out. So first. We find out from Ralsfar in these chapters in front of everybody. He says, mm-hmm. oh, wasn't uh, Janelle's mother a dancing girl <laughs> and um, <laughs> her father a Corvetian soldier? And then we find out. Which is not untrue. Let me just no, point I mean, out. But go on. That's yeah. why it's so great. It's because it's not untrue. It's not all, a lie. Of, all of that is true. And then we find out from Cone's perspective that. You know, it's Taya. And no Who has sport. been known to dance. I yeah. mean. And then we find out later that the Corvetian soldier is Corin Milagrese. Yeah. And it's the like, high and, general and of not, all of the Jared's daddy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not given to us like all at once. So like mm-hmm. the, the way they like slowly introduce it is like so like funny in a way. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that happens in the midst of this too, so like in these chapters, we start getting lots of mentions of Erisia. Yes. And then not like, until yes. almost quite the end of this chunk of chapters that we did, we find out Erisia is Taya. And because yeah. uh, Rilos Var, especially when he's talking to Cone, he talks about like, oh, I, I only pick smart students and Erisia was my best student and blah, blah, blah. But at that point, we don't know who Erisia is. And uh, Wirga also men- mentions knowing Erizia as well. Mm-hmm. Again, we don't know who Erizia is yet, and not. And I think pretty much right at the end, of this the link comes that Erizia and Taya are the same person. And then it's like another mind fuck. It's like what? Yeah, here's yeah. here's Wirga, uh, word for word. Like she who says, the fuck is Wirga? 
Yeah, she says, Arisia, although people don't call her that now, they all came back after Valkyrath had finished with them to find the world had given them new names to replace their old ones. The old woman walked up to me and leaned close, sniffing me. I know your mother. Watch the veils flash. You're just like her, but don't let them turn you into a cute little pet. Arisia made that mistake. Lions should never love their cages. And I'm like, I never, I never like really, what does she mean by the veils flash? That's the part that stood out to me the most this time. Because I'm like, that, like, she's very good, Jen Lyons, at answering almost every, every question. And I'm still not sure what the veils are. <laughs> Steph is raising her okay. She can't say. Okay, <laughs> I think that is referring to. So there's the the there's this phenomena in the sky, right? Like the the aurora or whatever. That's called mm-hmm. Taya's yeah. veil. That's protecting them from oh, the radiation yeah. of the degrading sun. And then mm-hmm. also, and then also, like when we meet Taya in book one, she has like a veil on. So I don't know if like one came first or the other. Um, and then, yeah, so it's implied that, like, she's, like, a veiled dancer, but also the veil is, like, a metaphor for the the aurora or the whatever it is in the sky that's protecting the planet. Yes. Yeah. So we're, also, we're just dropping, like, crazy truth bombs here. And, like, some of them we don't know yet, but, like, it's just, like, it's, it's immediately, even even not, you know, having read the rest of the book and understanding, immediately it's just, like, who the fuck is this old woman? Yeah, and it's also very telling because these chapters, and we'll eventually we'll talk about Cone in a, in a minute. Um, it's very telling when Janelle asks, "Who, uh, who are you really?" And Wergo replies, "I can't tell you that." Yes, like we've heard that before. I remember the first time reading this, the way these chapters. Uh, are so close together with Cone's chapters dealing with his geish, I was immediately like, oh, Werg is geished. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if I picked up on that the first time. I probably didn't. Yeah. yeah. But it was, yeah, it's, it's a good thing to pick up on because she knows too much. But I think it's also easy to want to look away from her because she's horrible. Yeah. The first thing that she does is try to feed Janelle a stillborn horse. Uh, or what she claims is a stillborn horse. It's probably not because probably it's worse. a mountainous snow yeah. realm that doesn't have horses. So yep. <laughs> um, they do yeah. have narwhal blood soup, though. Oh, just like b- spiced blood. Oh, no, thank yeah. you. The urine food sounds terrible. I could like picture it. Also, uh, everybody in your just must have the worst poops all the time because they never <laughs> eat fiber like no, oh it's just fat and yeah it would just slide right out of you they put butter in their tea butter Ooh. tea that's tibetan which i mean it makes okay. sense yeah. yeah yeah butter and knitted tea is probably the least weird yeah i i am not a big fan of butter tea but it is Sorry. very good when you're cold yeah. uh, if you're not expecting it though Ooh. no yeah. no it's a lot okay but the other, oh, sorry, I was going to say about the um, the diets kind of leads into some of the political stuff. They used to have green stuff. Yes. And core decimated their ability to grow anything. 
they in conquering Yor, they made them utterly dependent on the capital for food, which is pretty fucked up. And Senora yeah. dropped some truth bombs yep. about that and about the weapons that they used against the Yoran people, and she's just like, listen, you're a fan of Kor because of how your nation got, you know, lightly conquered, and uh, that is not what happened here. But Sorry, go ahead, Josh. I just thought that that was, that was a cool way to mm-hmm. make sure that everybody knew that this is not a... This is not like the evil land where the evil people live. Yeah. It's just another complicated place. Yeah, I th- I feel like that happens in chapters 37 where Senere and Janelle have that discussion and I think it's like probably one of the most important discussions in the book where mm-hmm. like as the one where if you were going to be convinced that Relosvar mm-hmm. may be in the right you could convince yourself where like Janelle Janelle's like you are the bad guy you're killing innocent villages and then Senere is like explaining, like, oh, but Kor does the same thing. Like, how is it different? And it it it, it is different. What Senere and Relisar are doing is uh, evil, but it's not like I don't want to say it. It's not like so black and white as all that. The idea that like Kor is automatically good and what they're doing is automatically bad is very naive drink. Yeah. And uh, she can't quite wrap her head around it yet. Yeah. And and I feel like this will be a discussion for when we do book three, where I feel like Kieran and Janelle and rest of party realize that it's not, there's not like, it's not choosing between Kor and Relosvar. There's a third way. Because it basically boils down to that they both suck. Like, yep. they're both terrible. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think there's a moment where Kieran uh, or Janelle remark about how much Kor sucks. And Jan- and Senere has a footnote. It was like, maybe maybe they're not so not on our side <laughs> after all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do have a how like when we in chapter thirty six when we come back to present day, Kieran uh, had basically put it together who Janelle's parents are, and we knew that he had put together Corn Milgrease as being Janelle's father. I'm wondering how he put it together that Taya was um, Janelle's mother. Do you guys have any idea? Yeah, the only thing I can think is that when he was in Karas Golgov, Karas Golgov, anyways, no, that's right. Yeah, um, and and the three sisters showed up. He he recognized Taya as his dream girl. He was like, oh, "Oh, it looks like, but it's not. That's a good Mm -hmm. catch. Yeah, so I think he he was just you know who you look like. That was, yeah, very good catch. I totally forgot about that. But I think I think he also knew, I think Cone told them all when he was relating his portion of the story when he was talking to Rillo's far. Yes, but Kieran implies in his internal monologue that even before Cone had revealed that, oh, that I see, he, yeah. he had figured it out yeah. and that he Got had it. just been waiting. He, he implies that he had just been waiting, like 
he figured it'd be part of the story mm. and it was just waiting for you know he didn't want yeah. to um you know like intercede on the story yeah that'd be a pretty big uh truth bomb to drop if no one had uh, no one else had figured it out oh yeah and, like holding back <laughs> in case um yeah, yeah. especially because she just found out about father jajira too like let's oh, just yeah. strip away her whole world in a span of like five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One one parental figure yeah. at a time here. Yeah. The other the other parts of these chapters is that Cohen is gradually learning how to use um, World Hearth, mm. which allows him to see heat, like see it's, through heat sources. Yeah. So see through heat, but also perceive heat, kind of like heat vision mm. goggles when he's using it. Um, which was a cool effect, yeah. especially um, trying to describe it when you don't have the technology for that. Yeah. Um, Lyons did a good, very, very good job kind of conveying that. Um, so yeah, he's, he's learning how to use it. He, he kind of despises himself and he's forgetting to eat and forgetting to sleep. This is a very good distraction for him, um, which Relis Fahar clearly figured out. Do we want to talk about what, what he does before that, though? Because I feel like it's very important like to his yeah. character to development Shedrick in Gore? book four. Or... It's how he deals with how he tries to get out of his gauge. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, he basically is think He doesn't... I'm thinking about it now. It's not that he attempts it. It's that he thinks about yeah. it and then mm-hmm. goes into he thinks about it, yeah. a panic attack, basically. Yeah. Where he... Like, he blames himself as being like the thing that's holding back Janelle from yeah from committing like her her goals or like fulfilling her mission and he's like thinking about it is like like thinking about the one choice he has as a gay person is to kill himself and he's thinking about it and like he's like going through the motions and we we start to like put it together that cone the way he talks about himself and the way he um, talks to other people about himself. He's very like, feels he's in the way he feels like he, um, his self-worth is very low. Mm -hmm. And this goes hand in hand with that. And he eventually like basically goes into shock about the geish and everything that's happening and this is what leads to they they have to like they take care of him and leave him behind, and then that's when Relisvar takes him uh, to the library and gives him World Hearth. Yeah, I wonder if another part of Relisvar giving him that is like he's like, oh, I need to give this kid a reason to live, and he loves to learn and study things, and he mm-hmm. needs to feel like he, you know, you. you He's like giving him like a sliver of hope to keep him going. And, and it, yeah, or just keeping him busy so that he's yeah. not brooding. Yeah. It's yeah, that happens in chapter 36. Mm-hmm. And I had a note in this chapter more than anything, like we talk we talk about uh in well they talk about in the books how Relisvar is the only dragon that isn't insane and we eventually find out uh, later on why that is but to me in this chapter 
uh, I'm not so sure that Relazar is insane because mm. he like talks about the way he talks about. Um, he has a line where he says, "I would soak the ground with the blood of a million newborns if I must to achieve uh, my goals," and it's like it to me in this chapter more than anything. He comes off as while the other dragons are like mad, insane, like ca- mm. more chaotic. He's sort of like Machiavellian insane. Hmm. Yeah, like, that's a good point. Like almost mad with power. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And it also, this chapter goes back to the question that we've asked multiple times. What are demons? Yes. He goes into <laughs> demons. What is Zeltaroth? Yes. They're not even a demon. Yeah. Yeah, so I have a lot of notes about that. Let's talk about that. But go ahead. He has a line that uh, really stood out to me this time, where he's talking about demons and how they perceive time differently, um, and how they may even experience time differently. And he says, they speak even less of the universal language than we ever did, and are bound by fewer rules. Um, what? what do you think that... Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe... The universal language may be the laws of physics. Okay, okay, yeah. But that's just a guess on my part. Like, I don't really, I'm not sure um, what it means, but it's, it stood out to me. Yeah, I wonder if it might also have something to do with the symbol that um, that has inherent tenye that oh, they posted yeah. on each other's foreheads way back when. Um, and if that's part of the universal language that has, like, order to it and i wonder if the demons are kind of like anti-language if they're just like chaos and screaming non-stop but yeah some of the some of the demon stuff that gets um developed here kind of i wrote down all the callbacks um so on page 171 children uh sandus can't banish zaltarath even though he's got the crown on the scepter he should be able to um and then Later, we find out that Grist, who we don't know who that is, is, Grist also can't, Grist being at the level of the Emperor, um, because, quote, Zeltarath doesn't exist. What? 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 Yeah, yeah the, like, Senere has, like, a footnote. She asked, like, the the name of all things, which, like, cannot yeah. be wrong or lie why that happened. And it, I think it said, like, you cannot gauge something that does not exist. What? So there are some either some really weird time shenanigans going on here, or we understand very, very, very little about what's going on with demons. Yeah, chapter thir- that happens in chapter thirty-seven, mm-hmm. which is like the standout chapter of these mm-hmm. to me, because it begins with that discussion between Janelle and Senere about like who really is the bad guy in the situation, mm-hmm. and then Janelle goes to sleep and has this. You know, she goes on a, a tear with Teraith killing all these demons. And that's when this whole discussion about Zaltaroth comes up. And we get to see the beginning of um, Teraith and Janelle's sort of, like, tension of, like, who is... Um, wow, I forgot the, the two words. Dudage and... Oh, uh, uh, Adora? Adora. And, yeah, who's, who's in charge of their relationship? Yeah. Oh, and we find out... This is where we find out... The Dreth are not dead. Yes. They're underground. They're just chilling. Yes. Yes. We don't even um, really know who or what they are yet. 
but yeah. yeah so yeah. one of the things that I didn't not I like consciously put it to one side. I was like, I do not have the energy to keep track of that thread. Like I went back in the glossary and it was like the treth, the former. I was like, okay. I was like, nope, I can't. So this time around, I'm like, oh, the treth, hand clapping. Mm. It's like, yes, now I know what they are. So if some of that, if some of the asides don't catch you on the first one, it's fine. Yeah, no, yeah. I remember when the first book came out, going through the glossary, and DMing Sheena on Twitter about the dreth, being like, who are these people? They're like barely <laughs> mentioned. They're like, I want to know more about the dreth. Are they like, are they like the dwarves of these people? I'm like, drafts, dwarves, maybe? Yeah, I don't seems know. Seems that way. Well, and, and I think we know at this point that Thurbashar is half dreth, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's really our only link to like them being around yeah. a thing as right. humanoid and we're thinking we know his mother has gone to the afterlife and is not coming back mm -hmm. so yeah and him being no has there. something to do with his aptitude with magic yes which is which is interesting this chapter is also when we find out what that Terath has a type Oh when God! He realizes that... Oh, it's fucking! It's such a great line. That was a that was a uh, something that I think I screamed DM'd at you guys when yeah. I was reading this book for the first time. Just <laughs> uh, realizing that he's into harp players. Yeah. Oh, so good, <laughs> so good. And we also see like more of his like complications with remembering his past lives. Mm -hmm. And Janelle sort of trying to, like, break through that, like, oh, I, I'm not this person that you remember, <laughs> remember that. and neither are you. Yeah, which is a, a kind of an interesting little parallel to the afterlife scene from book one where, you know, Kieran shows up and he's uber Kieran and he remembers everything. And mm -hmm. she, again, she was like, well, I'm not that person. I don't remember being that person. And I don't know you. So that doesn't mean that we're destined to be together because i don't know you right yeah that's that's one of the interesting conundrums of like reincarnation is that if you believe it's happening you kind of have to accept that the lessons that you learned are being played out on a cosmic scale that like the justice that you earned in your last life is balancing itself without anybody's intervention like you just deserve whatever's happening to you and mm -hmm. there's no, like, you just have to try to learn from it again, uh, which is something I always found really challenging about that, that those, like, religious, like, arguments. Um, but if you do remember everything, like Terraith, yeah. it does kind of fuck you up. Mm -hmm. Like, you learn the lessons, but at what cost? Like, Kieran has a great line in the next chapter where he's like, um, apparently the goddess of death had a mean streak so vicious, yeah. it left Kieran open-mouthed in awe. <laughs> Thane had taken two infam infamously mortal enemies, Atrin Kandor and Terendel the Black, and had reincarnated one of them as the other's son. That was just mean. And it didn't even begin to explore the part where Atrin's widow, Alana, had later married Terendel. Oh, God. It is very funny. Like, sometimes, for for how broad and vast these books are, sometimes there's only, like, three characters yeah, you know? <laughs> and they all know each other and they all like used to rent an apartment together or something 
it's like your college reunion. It's just kind of like, oh, I have to deal with all the shit that I did. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> and then Thane's in the background just fucking manipulating because she thinks it's fun. Can't, can't be too mad at Thane yet, though, because we know that she returned Dorna. Um, Truth. Yeah, because yeah. uh, this is when Cone spies with the mm. world heart and finds yes. out that Nineveh is the Black Knight now. Yes. And apparently has an army. And Korad is working with them too a little bit, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah but Hell they, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. But they don't know that Morios is Korad yet. Right. Maybe Dorna probably knows. Dorna knows. Dorna seems yeah. to have the inside track on things, because Dorna apparently always knew that Janelle's mom was Taya. Mm-hmm. So they say that she's an angel. She's not an angel of Thane, right? She's an angel, she's an of, angel Taya. of Taya. Yeah. yeah, because she's got the one spell. And then the next chapter is when the whole conversation with Werga goes down. And uh, she talks about... This, this is when we start to get um, Janelle's connection to the Devoren prophecies. A lot of them are brought up, both from uh, Ralosvar to Cone, and then Werga to Janelle. Hmm. Like, uh, I, I, I love Janelle's versions of the prophecies, where it's like, in the stone city of three roads... The lion cubs sing, uh, singe with great catastrophe as the terrible march of death takes the land of plenty. The cub alone lives, cursed with great strength to be raised by horses. Well, that one seems pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Yeah. I do, I will say, I do enjoy reading prophecy before and after the fact, because oh, yeah. after mm-hmm. the fact, it makes complete sense. It just it's seems like, so oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, it just reminds me of good omens. It's just kind of like when you like you have this entire lineage of people trying to figure out what these prophecies mean, and they're like, "Does this refer to the assassination of JFK?" Mm. And and then it turns out that it's all about like this three day period. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's it has no bearing on anything. That's basically us trying to figure things out in these books. <laughs> just like, Does this mean anything? Is Butterbelly coming back? <laughs> <laughs> is Orith coming back so it can kill him again? Yeah. He's not dead yet, but I What's mean, the... he, that's not even a spoiler. You know that he has to die. Yeah. <laughs> and then Janelle meets with Ajin Kane, this and we a... find out. Sorry, I was just gonna say this is actually a really interesting conversation. Like, it's one of those things. I think going into this, you would have expected uh, the Han to be kind of a dick, and yeah. he right. is, but he's. An intelligent dick. Yeah. Like he's not, he's not a shitty dandy boy like Duke Shun was. He's not Darzan. He's not Aurith. He's smart. Yeah. But like not in the same way Relisvar is. He has a plan. Before that, I need to point out something I never realized before. Ajin Kane is just a like huge sports guy. He has (laughs) Jorty's tournament memorabilia throughout his study. Like all of these different teams. And Janelle's like, oh, but he favors this one team more than the other. This is his man cave. This is just his man cave. Yes. (laughs) And it's so funny to me. I never realized before. He's just a Jorat sports super fan. I've got season tickets. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally like forgot from the first time too, that Duke Kane is part Jortis as well. And that a lot of Yorans are because 
the army that invaded Yor came from Jorat. Yeah, think- and here we get into the... Sorry. No, go ahead. We, we get into the politics of conquest and the politics mm, of yes. occupation, which become very thorny very quickly. Um, which, when it's, you know, Duquesne, if you had the entire series of books here told from his perspective, you would absolutely side with him. His people have been decimated by a much larger empire. They've been invaded by foreigners who are being deliberately married into them to dilute their culture, which, um, I mean, we're going to get in trouble if this podcast ever gets big, but that's what China is doing to Tibet. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's it's a policy of destruction on a cultural scale, yeah. which is terrifying. And you kind of, like, when he lays it all out like that, I kind of get it. Like, should he go in and take over Jorat? No, probably not. But, like, Duke Shun isn't doing a bang-up job. Like, mm-hmm. it... I'm kind of... I I get... Like, I'm very persuaded by people who are smart, and that's a failing that I have. Um, but, like, along with Rollo's bar, he's got some really good points. Yeah, your Like, by the time Yor was invaded by Kor, they had really kind of perfected their conquering, colonizing, imperializing machine. And so Yor, I think, is the first time where we've really been in a place and seen a place that has been, like, conquered in in every way by Kor. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, that ongoing, like, uh, dilution of culture and the fact that it is a very calculated thing that the the capital city folk are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... I think what makes this um, conversation so good is that Duquesne does not care that Janelle, like Janelle has put together what his plan is, like using the dragon iron arc to like destroy these villages and then come in and save the day to be the hero of Jorette. And I think what makes this conversation so interesting is that he doesn't care that she knows the plan. Like, the whole time, he's like, oh, you're so smart for putting yeah. it together. Wow. <laughs> and it's, it's like, lonely at the top. You need somebody to talk to. Yeah. It's not but a gotcha just confidence that it's all going to work out and that he's going to convince her, either convince her or use her against his enemies, um, which turns out to be Corin Melagrist, her father. Oops. That it's, it's, it's what makes his, him a fun character is that He's like super, like he's super confident that yeah. like I'm in the right. This is all going to work out. Yeah, it's not um, a bad plan. No, especially given how poorly the Jorates are being ruled. Yeah. The and, and he's smart enough to realize that like I cannot be the conqueror of Jorat because mm-hmm. I'm me. I'm Yorin. The Jorates will never accept me, but you, they absolutely will. Yeah, he's yeah. not uh he's not blinded by ambition. He has a lot of flaws and he is ambitious, but he understands his place yeah. and what he can and cannot do and that's like, you know, it it has I have a like it's sinister, but I have an admiration for it. So he also has a bunch of funny lines. So we're like, he's funny. He's yeah, like, the tea that. doesn't have meat in it. <laughs> <laughs> it just has butter. Uh, Janelle has a great line in this chapter that sums up her entire like 
not character development wise, but plot wise, she says, um, I saw the game, but I had no idea what forces shaped the rules. Mm. Like the entire time she can see the machinations of the things that are going around her. But she she has like the like it's not really micro because it involves all of Jorat, but <laughs> it is because the bigger picture is like all of the Corrin Empire and all of the sort of like world they're living on. Yeah. And another I think thing. Good... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's it, no, I'm just, it is a good line. And I think it sums up a lot of the first two books entirely. Mm. You kind of see what's going on. You're starting to understand right. it. You and Kieran and Janelle, the reader, you know, everybody together is kind of starting to get it, but it's still opaque. But go um, Ajin Kane has a remark about Ayn Arc in this that I found interesting, where he says, um, not only is Ayn Arc uh, well-behaved, but has most of her faculties. Yeah. And, and, like, that combined with finding out her relationship to Kieran has me curious, like, what the future holds for Ayn Arc. Mm. And why does Ayn Arc more than um other dragons seem to have it together yeah like the idea that like she takes orders right yeah she's present and then the and then we get more prophecy in the 20th year of the hawk and the lion beneath the silver sword the sleeping beast chains shatter the dragon of swords devours demon falls as night takes the land and we find out that you know, Janelle is the lion, and Kieran is the hawk, because the Daman family symbol is the hawk. And the this is when, like, we already know that Janelle has recruited Kieran to help with Morios. And this is this is this is when in the chapters we find out in the timeline when Janelle finds out about Morios, and because this is taking place years earlier, like this is a prophecy that Ajin Kane knows is going to happen years down the line. And now, in present day, we're in those in that time when Morios is supposed to wake. Yeah, so now they're 20. It's like, oh, and shit. And now things are getting... They were real. They're getting yeah. realer. And, like, the... The, uh, what's the... Like, sort of the the goal is now in sight. Mm-hmm. Okay, this big dragon is waking up. It's going to be in a treaty. It's going to kill yeah. a lot of people. So presumably and, it's, well, we got to go stop it because we're the good guys. And if Janelle is the one, as you said earlier, that stops the dragon, that like the way that Janelle surviving the Hell March made her like rank above Orith, her stopping a dragon will make, even though she's not Jortiz and she's not actually, what was her title? Oh, she's not count. Yes, she's not actually a count by stopping a dragon by status. Yeah, that you know you you rule what you, you protect what you yeah. rule. So by protecting all of Jorat from a dragon, it basically puts her in charge. Although I mean, I think she is semi technically still a count. Like her her grandfather never yeah. disinherited her. She's they adopted, but yeah, she's adopted. Yeah. Let's uh And even Senere points that out. Like I think when they yeah. go back and, and Janelle's like... having a moment and like, so you're adopted, big fucking deal. 
Yeah, and I think Kieran remarks on it too. He's like, I have a shitty family. Calm down. Yeah. Like, you don't. Meeting your biological parents is terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. In my oh yeah, because she just one. met Darzan too, and he's right. like, yeah, that's my brother, <laughs> who I thought was my father. Yeah, yeah, just just all goes bad. But given how, as as we finish up this chapter, I just I find it interesting. Totally within character, makes sense. Like I don't have a problem with it happening plot wise. I just think it's a little funny that Janelle is totally suspicious of Thurvishar, totally suspicious of Darzan and everyone who she meets, and then she's like, "Oh, the harem, I'm safe." <laughs> and then the chapter ends with her accepting food from someone who's like literally just rubbing her hands together, being like, "Ooh, fresh meat." It's like, come on. Girl. I have I have a, a theory here. I have an argument <laughs> that. Um, this is maybe Janelle being a bit sexist because she oh, yeah. thinks no, like a man yeah. and she sees these coddled in her mind, coddled women who don't do anything and she doesn't ever think that they could be a threat to her. Yeah. She thinks they're, yeah. they're mayors. They're supposed yeah. to be inside protecting, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. taking care I of f- shit. I feel like Janelle learns a lot of lessons about prejudice in this yeah book. She, the, when she's in yours really when janelle learns about like the sisterhood i feel like mm-hmm. well she she learns about the Maricori. she learns about you know the sisterhood here i fit and she's 16 i'm gonna give her a little bit of break she'll learn better oh and for sure I, I feel like by the end she definitely does and yeah what we see of her in future books yeah but but i think this moment is a little bit like there may be some sex and gender issues at play. There's yeah. also maybe yeah, some, no, there uh, is. some just like I'm 16 yeah. issues yeah. at play. Not like, the like other sure, girls. I'll take this. Yeah. <laughs> and she's so dismissive of uh, Vexishal. Yeah. Like rolling her eyes at her. Like, oh, she thinks. Right. And then. <laughs> she just wants to have a baby. Ugh. Yeah. And then Vexishal has this great line like, I can't believe how gullible you are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and then she passes out. Yep. And then in the final chapter, we get we like two cliffhangers in this in this chunk. Yes, uh, we get the Thervishar appearance with Cone instead of Janelle, and we also get a Gadrith appearance. Yes, and he threatens mm-hmm. to eat Cone. He comes off creepier here yes! than a, a lot He's of He's so casual form. about it. He's like, can I eat this like, one? I'm and hungry. Like, maybe not. Maybe maybe don't. Gadrith wants like, a snack. <laughs> and we we learn about, like, something about Thurvishar and Cone together, because they're both scholarly. It's like... It's so it. cute. I love it. Yeah. But this is where Cone learns about uh, Vane. Mm-hmm. And, and this chapter always messes with me every time I read it because he's spying on Relisvar and um, Cariel. Yes. But, uh, you know, he doesn't know it's Cariel. He asks Thervishar about it. <laughs> right. And then Thervishar takes out a book and reveals, oh, the only Vane I know with blue hair is the Vane Queen. And so, like, every time I'm like, oh, Velasar is meeting, meeting with the Vane Queen. Why? But it's... No. And then, yeah. and then they so talk about... they both um, are, though. Yeah, true. <laughs> Miyane yes, they're both the Karen. Queen. Yeah. That's what makes it so... Messes with me every time. And that, But then 
the blue-haired Vane starts talking about her son, mm-hmm. and then that's when I'm mm-hmm. always like, oh, and wait, Valathea. this is... Yeah, right. and Valathea. Yeah. Oh, and this is when we find when we get Valathea back. Yes, which I was the like, Voren priest yeah. took Valathea. So I totally forgot about that, and I was like, oh, okay. And yeah, what does she say? She says something that was like, well, they they told me I couldn't steal it, but they didn't ta- say I couldn't take anything that was already stolen. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that was yeah, that she's was, had a long time. Yeah. to meditate on the limitations of her gauge. Right, the perfect yes. crime. Yeah, and this is we find out that. Um, this is when um, Kieran gets kidnapped, uh, where Talon, you know, sets up the whole kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember it took me a couple minutes after I read this chapter. I didn't understand why Relisvar was so angry at the end. He like takes when the Queen Cario leaves. He takes the goblet and basically like crushes it and then throws it to the ground. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't realize that it was because oh now he doesn't know where Kieran is. I think he does know where Kieran is. He says that he's um, with people who are oh. going to keep him safe. So I yeah. think he knows he's with the Black Brotherhood. This in is, that must sense. be when he lost the auction. Yeah, but he. Yeah. So you're right, and but also. He he doesn't know where he is, but he knows that he is with them. So yeah. he kind of, yeah. So that okay. he, yeah, this must be after he loses the auction. Didn't that happen and... a while ago? Because remember, he had to leave Marina to go to the auction. And that was like two months ago. That's mm, true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So he knows he he knows that he can't get to Kieran. Yeah. Because that, he knows yeah, that must be why he's him. angry. Yeah. Because Kieran is gone for four years or five years. Yeah. I think it's four. Something like that. Because, yeah, he's 16 when he leaves yeah. and 20 when he comes back. So. And we know that the Demons, uh, like, go through a whole bunch of actions in order to find Kieran. Mm-hmm. Like, the docks get shut down. and They search every ship. Yeah. 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 And so this may be Cariel, um talking to Relisvar, trying to find out if her son is safe or not. Also, this is when we find out that Kieran's mom... I don't think we knew before that Kieran's mom and Relisvar had, like, they were friends. Yes, they had a connection, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, lots lots of machinations, a lot of politics happening. Any final thoughts? These were by far my favorite chapters so far. I flew through them. It, it really feels like things are going now. Like, mm-hmm. even though we, you know, we got to a new place and there was a lot of exposition, um, it does feel like things are starting to come together and the pieces are starting to make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it feels like Janelle has a lot more understanding and control. Um, even though she's in a bad position right now, she understands the politics that are at play, unlike Kieran, where at this point, like halfway through his own book, he was kind of like, but my girlfriend, <laughs> she's leaving. I'm sad. Yeah. Um, Kieran deals with things on an individual level. Put it that way. Yes. yes. But Janelle also has had a totally different upbringing. She's oh, had to yeah. grow up very early. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Kieran was not, um, you know possessed by a demon as a, as a kid. Mm. 
But yeah, I think we only have three more episodes so for this book, so like shit's happening. Buckle up. Mm-hmm. Excited. Um, Steph, what else are you reading? Ooh, what am I reading right now? Okay, um, I'm reading, I'm still reading Last Exit by Max Gladstone. I'm still reading Paladin Strength by T. Kingfisher. And I'm reading this book. And then I'm trying to decide what I want to read after Last Exit because it's good, but it's so grim. And I like, I need a book with some humor in it. Like we talk a lot on this show about how important it is that A Chorus of Dragons is funny. Because like... I was thinking about this. I was like, this is why, like, people love Marvel movies. Because Marvel movies have jokes peppered through them, you know? Like, and and as much as I'm enjoying Last Exit, between that and the book I read before, Age of Ash, there wasn't a lot of humor in those books. And I'm like, I'm I'm needing something that's got something funny to it. So looking to find something a little little lighter for my next read. The problem I have with Marvel movies now is that it feels like a lot of them have the same jokes That's peppered fair. throughout That's them. Fair. It needs a little yeah. spicing up. Uh, yeah, that's it for me. Josh, what are you reading? Uh, I'm reading... Um, I've taken a break from both uh, Bret Hart's biography and... Um, Jesus, what's the name of the first book? Paladin's... Uh, Grace. Paladin's Grace to read uh, a book coming out uh, this week as we record, but maybe not when you're listening. Uh, <laughs> Almost definitely. Uh, Engines of Empire by R.S. Ford. It seems like a mix of like steampunk and sword and sorcery. I'm only like three chapters deep, but uh, I plan on reading a lot of it. It has a lot to do with like industry and guilds. And with like a bigger picture in the background going on, I'm excited to read it. Nice. Uh, Steampunk gets a bad rap, but I do genuinely like steampunk. I don't like steampunk. That's okay. I I like some steampunk. I I understand the criticism of blindly using Victorian England. Yeah. It's uh, another colonizing empire yeah, that did a lot it's, of shit. It's more just like, I've done the steampunk thing. I'm good. I don't need to read more of it. Yeah. Support you? Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's cool. I, for example, am done with YA right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of good YA coming out. It's not a criticism, but I can't do it right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. One day I will have more energy. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe I'll just die. Um, Christina, what are you what reading? What am I reading? For my birthday, everybody got me books about Japanese cats. Which okay. is really specific, that is specific, but actually prolific sub-subgenre. So I'm reading uh, The Cat and the City, which is a s- series of interconnected short stories uh, about Tokyo. Um, I just finished um, The Cat Who Saved Books, which is about a snarky cat helping a hikikomori dude uh, come out of his... Uh, shell a little bit Adorable. it's really cute it's really that cute. sounds so um, wholesome it's i i have this theory it's probably not true but like somehow japanese literature and stuff can get its sincerity at a way that americans can't like sometimes like when you hear it in an anime it's just like it's like let's do it because of friendship and that's the entire point of the anime and it's just like yes yeah, okay friendship yeah so um, and then the classic, I am a cat. Um, nice. Just like from the, it's an older one. So, yeah. I love that trope though. 
I love it too. <laughs> Do it for yeah, friendship. it's great. But like, you don't see a lot of American shows. Like Ted Lasso is like the the mm. example, and it's so unusual yeah. that it's just like about believing in things. Yeah, and totally. uh, but like this, it, it happens a lot in a lot more in Japanese like content, where it's just like. I really sincerely believe this thing and it's all about sincerity and there's no irony at all. And if you did that in American, like high literature, they would laugh. You would make fun of you. Yeah. Right. That's just. What's great about one piece is sometimes he doesn't even do it for friendship. He does it just to get meat. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, relatable. Yeah. Yeah. I have no problem with that motivation either. Um, well, thanks for listening. Uh, Whenever you are listening to this, which is probably not months from now, January probably <laughs> yeah. of twenty twenty two. Okay, well, you can find me at Oladdy Girl on Twitter or writing reviews on geeklink dot com. You can also find Josh and Steph's review on on geeklink dot com. And Josh, where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitch and Twitter at Four of Five Wits. Steph, where we can find you? I'm in various internet places at Steph O Kingston. Thank you for listening to No Page Unturned, part of the Geekly Inc. podcast family. If you like the show, please show us some love with a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Page Podcast. The show is edited by me, Steph Kingston. Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and you can check them out at Bad Sparrow Music. And our cover art is by Chango Chimango, who you can check out on Instagram and Twitter at Chango Chimango.